Well, hello, everyone, and good morning, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining me today. Today is Sunday, July the 10th, and we're going to get started. My name is Melvin Gaines. We have music to play while we allow people to join us online and get together with us for this Sunday School session. Uh, the music is coming from the New Zion Temple for my good. And uh, we will listen to that and we'll allow others to join us. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you all. We appreciate you very much. Arlen, good morning. <laughs> I know what it means. Beth Green, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Jackie, good morning. We appreciate you being here. Ronnie, good morning. Coffee time. Good morning, Roscoe. Jackie, giving you a shout out. Amen, amen. We appreciate you being here this morning. It's time to give the Lord our worship and praise, to give him our attention today. He is worthy of our praise. Jackie, we're going to pray for your family. I'll make a note to do that. Okay. It's good to get together online just for reasons just like that. Prayer time. Prayer is very important. Good morning, Cindy. Jasper, good morning. Clarinda, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. God is in control. No matter what craziness is going on in the world today, he is indeed in control. There's nothing getting past him. For my good song has to do with Romans 8.28. You have to keep that verse in context on what it truly means about what is good. Amen. for joining us this morning. Every day is a new day in the Lord. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here this morning. Let's focus on the Lord's goodness, amen. Goodness does not mean that you're always glad because of your circumstances, but His goodness always prevails even through those 
situations and those circumstances. Amen. The great thing about the God we serve is that He is an emotional God, too. He has emotions, and He truly does feel for you and have experiences for you based upon what your situations are, too. We know that because we saw Jesus demonstrate that when He was here in His earthly ministry. Amen. Lisa, good morning. Thanks for being here. Amen. 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 Beverly, good morning. Hi there. It's good for us to get together online. Amen. Thank you very much. We appreciate that recording. Um, uh, it was a recording at church. The New Zion Temple for My Good uh, was the name of the song. And we certainly relate to that uh, on our own when we look at what's happening in the world around us or even right in Akron locally. We pray that uh, obviously that peace prevails. That's what we want to see happen. And we want to make sure that everyone understands that uh, it's very important for you to not get caught up in what the world is doing right now or what's going on in the world because a lot of that uh, can frankly be a distraction from you focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm just putting that out there uh, for what it's worth. Uh, it is really important for you to stay focused on the Lord. I think we've emphasized that several times over the past couple of years because of what's been going on. That you, the things that are beyond your control, amen? Um, Don't worry about it. You don't worry about it. You pray about it. Amen. Uh, that is what uh, my lovely bride just said, and, and I think that ultimately that's what we all have to do. We're praying people. We've got to stay focused. Stay focused on our Savior. He is the one who um, gives us relief, gives us comfort, helps us to be able to deal with things. Uh, Jackie, I'm going to pray for your family because I, I, I don't uh, have specifics, but we're going to pray and lift them up to the Lord right now. Uh, before we get started with announcements and all the things that we are um, going to get into here with our lesson. But let's go ahead and pray right now. Father, we uh, just thank you and we lift up to you Jackie, Jackie's family. We pray, Lord, now that you overshadow this family with your very presence, that you relay comfort and peace to that family, that you provide healing. If physical healing is needed, that's fine, but we also pray for spiritual healing. We pray for them that they are indeed... Uh, being held in your very hands. And we pray, Lord, that you just bless the family. Give them right now what they need to be able to persevere and get through a situation that they're in. But I pray, Lord, that you just bless them. I pray that you touch them. I pray that you heal them. I pray for your ever-loving presence right now. And we give you praise and thanks for all that you're doing and all that you will continue to do for Jackie's family. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, gave it a shot, and that's what we're going to keep on doing. We'll just keep on praying, amen. That's what we have to do. Pearl, good morning. Uh, Pearl and Walter, I'm going to guess, good morning. Uh, thank you for being here. And, and we, uh, of course, any invitation for prayer, we will always take that here. We will always do that because we need to make sure that we're doing those very things. Ed, good morning. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, for the announcements, we want to make sure that you are aware of the uh, fact that there will be, for those of you who are not in Akron and not able to go to church today, uh, Pastor Gus will have a message available online in the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. We um, w welcome you to see his message on the two witnesses of God. Uh, and 
I think part of that is because he has gotten through that message a little bit. And there was three witnesses last time. Now it's the two witnesses. So, <laughs> But uh, nonetheless, we, we welcome you to stay here online in the timeline for the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook, Facebook page to hear Pastor Gus's pre-recorded message. Pardon me? Oh, yeah. Uh, give him a nod or a like when that you're paying attention as well, too. We have seen some increase of activity after we said that the first time. So we, we welcome you to make sure of that as well, too. But just keep hit the like button if you like what uh, his message is. And, and um, we also appreciate you just being here and supporting the church as well, too, and, and doing so with tithes and offerings. Suzette, good morning. Uh, thank you for being here this morning as well, too. Remember your tithes and offerings. For those of you who are not coming to church in Akron, we uh, welcome you mailing those tithes and offerings to our church. The mailing address is 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. That is the mailing address for the church. We appreciate you remembering the church because we still have to take care of the necessities at church and also make sure that there's benevolence available for those who are in, in real need, and we appreciate you helping out with that as well, too. Greg, good morning. Greg and Carolyn, good morning. Thank you for being here, and we appreciate you. We appreciate everyone who has taken the time to join us. We um, we want to do this thing Sunday school the right way. We want to make sure that everyone is available to uh, get their taste of Sunday school, knowing that some churches do not have a Sunday school, and, and that's part of the reason why we're still here online, and we've been doing it this way for since March of 2020. So we are very glad to be able to do that and continue. And we will continue to do this, by the way. Uh, whether we're here uh, in in my residence or uh, at church when we start back up and, and start meeting there, too. So we'll see how that goes. And we appreciate all of you just being prayerful for the times that we're living in right now. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. I cannot emphasize it enough. Do not let any other distractions. I don't care what it is. Uh, don't. Um, I understand there's stuff going on uh, with uh, uh, the Akron and police. And you know what? The, I, I wish I could say that this is, this is not a new thing. This is something that's been going on for a long time. This is nothing new. Uh, when God says there's nothing new under the sun, there's nothing new under the sun. And this is uh, just another demonstration uh, situation where it's taken place. Stay focused on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Please do that. Um, and we and, and stay prayerful for the community because that's what God would have us to do. Lift those people up to um, in prayer for the situation and circumstances right now. And I think it's uh, appropriate for you to also just keep in mind that while those things are taking place in Akron, uh, watch where you are and watch what's going on and be aware of things around you. And, and I think that's also an appropriate uh, message as well, too. Okay. Let's get into Sunday school because that's what's really important. We want to focus on what the God has to say. And I want you to focus, too, on how God, in his way of communicating with us um, about his word, he is emphasizing to us the importance of us trusting in his word, seeing that his word is true. And that's why we're talking about biblical inerrancy. We're going to look at a Bible verse that we looked at last week, and we'll look at it again this week just for those who... Uh, are joining us today that need to understand that God had a plan long ago to make sure that his word, when it was originally proclaimed uh, before Jesus and after Jesus through uh, the, the, through the, uh, the New Testament uh, letters, that this word is his word. It is his truth. It is the word that is um, basically being spoken of by God through the Holy Spirit to all the prophets, the people who are writing those things down, recording those things, and also the apostles uh, in the same manner. And that's been declared both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We won't go back over that anymore, but we know that there are passages that, that state that. But we're going to go ahead and get started and get back into the translations <clears throat> and how God is speaking to us because we've got all these different languages out there, all these different cultures, all these different people. And we need to see how God has, is speaking about his truth to everyone. And we, it made me think really hard after looking at towards the end of this about how many more people need to hear his word before he decides to return. And there's quite a few. But let's take a look at this in more greater detail and get back into uh, part two of this uh, selection of translations. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. 
Father, we just thank you again for your very presence. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for the reassurance that you indeed are present because you remind us day after day of the importance of trusting in you and trusting in the very words that we read in the Bible. Trusting that it is truth, it is your truth, it is what you are conveying to us. And we pray, Lord, that we take this approach and this attitude that what we stand on, we stand on a firm foundation, the firm foundation of you, Lord, in Jesus Christ, that you are indeed the way, the truth, and the life. And as proclaimed in the word, in the book of John, you are the word, you are the living word, and you were there from the very beginning. And we thank you for those promises that you have given to us. Bless us and keep us, Lord, now, and we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look again at Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And we're going to go back over this because we need to see something that's very important as we look at Scripture. And again, a lot of people who have... Um, kind of try to deny that it's important to read the Bible. They have made allegations that the Bible is contradictory, that there's conflict from one uh, Bible to another. Well, it depends on what you're saying and talking about. There is some truth to that if you want to look at, say, the New World Translation versus the New Living Translation, because it's a very important for you to know the New World Translation is the Jehovah Witness Bible. The New Living Translation is a reliable translation that has been brought down with the dynamic equivalence. So we have to make sure that we're using the proper terminology when we say this. But honestly, a lot of what people say about biblical translation, translations, uh, by and large, a lot of the comments they make that try to uh, diminish the truth is based out of, is out of ignorance. And I say that with all due respect. I don't mean to say that because I say the person is ignorant. I'm saying that it is out of ignorance that they would make those claims. They have to do the research and they have to look things up and make sure that what they're understanding is actually corroborated. And in many ways, it's not corroborated, those claims. But if we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, this is the point in time where we find that the Holy Spirit is making the appearance that Jesus promised and look at the people who are impacted by this presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is the New Living Translation. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And something that I learned this morning uh, just from watching Robert Jeffress about the city of Mosul um, in Iran, Iran or Iraq. Um, I want to get that right too, make sure that I'm doing that. But Mosul happens to be the ancient city of Nineveh, where there were Christians, and unfortunately there was persecution that took place uh, by ISIS in that, uh, in that uh, city, and all those Christians were driven out. You have to understand something. There are Christians in many, many different places, even in these uh, uh, countries where you still have Muslim practices, and we want to make sure that we understand that, that God is indeed in, in many, many different parts of the world, in many different parts of the world where people are lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Well, what we're going to find is that there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be scattered because of the tribulation, uh, the upcoming tribulation. And, and Pastor Gus will even be uh, talking about that in greater detail in his series of messages, including the one coming up. But we need to recognize that um, God also knows that different languages, different people need to be given this truth. We saw that they were exposed to this truth at the time when the Holy Spirit uh, came uh, upon the people in this different area of Christians gathering. And so we need to make sure that we're recognizing that as well, too. Um, where we left off last time, we were talking about, of course, the, 
Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And that was in the 2nd or 3rd century B.C. And that purpose was to give the Greek-speaking Jews scriptures in the common language because they, we, we had to recognize that there was a common language involved here uh, that needed to be uh, to relate to those individuals who were trying to understand the truth. And there had to be something to refer back to. So that's what the Septuagint was. And, of course, Jesus and the apostles uh, spoke to, spoke and quoted from the Septuagint. And there were some revisions that were made in the first through the third, third centuries. And so we recognize that those revisions had to take place. Why? Different languages, different interpretations, different readings. Going back to the original Greek and Hebrew, we had to make sure those translations were accurate. And so for us to say, well, how come they had to make all these corrections? Well, it's because God drove the people involved to make those corrections. God is the one who had to inspire this people. We, we, we have to understand that we had to go and further along from where we were from the 2nd and 3rd century and grow to where we are today. And look at how even our English language has evolved and changed over time. You have to understand that God knows that all of these things are taking place and will take place in the future. And so he gives people the desire to make sure that they are getting it right when it comes to understanding God's truth. So going back and making corrections is perfectly great. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to see. This is not an accident. It's something that needed to happen. And there had to be improvements. So let's take a look at the early Bibles. And we've, we've mentioned this section in Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, to show you the different areas and languages where this has taken place. Christians needed Bibles in their own languages. Everybody doesn't speak English. It doesn't make any sense or do any good to take your English Bible, go overseas, go to a country where they don't speak English and hand it off, right? It doesn't make any sense to do that, right? Don't start talking louder. And you don't... Who, me? No, I'm just saying oh, people go don't. and talk English louder like that. Without... Yeah, like speaking English louder. <laughs> I get it now. Speaking English louder. What? We can't hear you. What? No, that, you have to still speak the language of the people. Uh, to make sure they understand what is being said, what the truth is about Jesus Christ. That's why I gave the example last week of the Gullah Bible. Uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's, an, it's a broken English, I think is the best way to put Gullah. Uh, it's, it's a, but it's spoken in their dialect. It's spoken according to their culture. And so they needed to know the truth about Jesus Christ too. The, if you can get a hold of a New Testament Gullah Bible, if that's of interest to you, I, I highly suggest you do so. Uh, it's a great Bible. It, it actually has the King James Version of the Bible on one side of the page and the Gullah Version on the other side of the page. You can actually compare as you're reading it. It's a really cool Bible to have. Um, it's just if you want to see what the other culture was understanding about who Jesus was and, and how uh, he carried out his mission. Um, so we have, first of all, Syriac or Aramaic translations. Aramaic is a language similar to Hebrew that replaced the older traditional Hebrew. Did you know that? There was a newer version of Hebrew, Aramaic. The Jews of Jesus' time probably spoke Aramaic. So Jews in nearby Syria needed the Aramaic scriptures. Christianity spread throughout Central Asia, India, and even China. The Syriac translation was used. Do you see how important it is for us to make sure that we are getting all these translations down pat and look at where the Bible uh, is being uh, proclaimed in these different countries? Of course, there are Christians in Central Asia. There are Christians in India as well, too, and even China. Now, you have to understand that, of course, those Christians, they have to operate with some degree of secrecy in some of those countries because in China, for obvious reasons, China is an, China is an atheistic country. And antagonistic to any religion, uh, not just <laughs> not just Christianity, but any religion. Uh, but we know that they are antagonistic to it, so we have to recognize that. So in those places, the Syriac translation was used. That's the Aramaic version of the Bible. Next, we have Egyptian. We have the Coptic version, Ethiopic, Gothic. Germanic, Gothic being Germanic, Ar Armenia, Georgia, 
in Russia, this is Russia, and Arabic translations, etc. So they use these different translations as Christianity spread to these areas in the first 500 to 700 years. Various translations were made and revised. And again, don't get hung up on the revision part. The revision part is good. We want to make sure that the truth is being spoken. And as people learn languages and learn how to interpret the original Greek and Hebrew and all the things that the languages they're coming from and copying from, they want to make sure that they get it right. So there's improvements that are made. That's really a good thing. And it's not about conflict. It's not about, uh, well, there's so many different versions. Well, you know, that's not the same thing as making sure that you're fixing the version that you have and correcting little things here and there. The essence of God's word is uh, is consistent and the content is consistent. There are little things within the scripture we want to make sure are done accurately, so we have to keep that in mind. And, of course, in the early Bibles that we're referring to here, at first the Old Testament and the New Testament was not all bound together. We, we kind of know that because it took a little bit of while to even gather and recognize which books were accepted as inspired in both testaments that's where we talked about the canonization effort that's when we had the different church groups get together and agree what books were to be the ones that were indeed the books that were authored by god through the power of the holy spirit and that's the 66 books that we have today and we recognize that eventually however complete bibles were available in the language discussed above so we had those different versions of languages we had again the syriac aramaic versions and the egyptian coptic versions the gothic germanic versions and and of course in russia and the arabic translations those are all things that were being spread about over the first five to seven hundred years now the latin versions let's talk about those because we we need to recognize that um greek was the major language in rome until the third century AD, but Latin was the military language. It was emerging as a common language in many areas in the Roman Empire. When One of the first things that I did when I, I heard about people who were taking Latin, and I didn't understand why they were taking Latin, and now I understand why they were taking Latin, because they were trying to get exposure to another language where there was actually people who were trying to translate the Bible in Latin. And one of the most important people involved in that process was St. Jerome. St. Jerome, in A.D. 382, was commissioned by the Bishop of Rome to translate the scriptures. And again, this content that we're getting from the, the lesson here, and I, I neglected to do this, uh, did it late last week, but Sid Litke, uh, who has a master's in theology from the Dallas Theological Seminary, he's the one providing the content for this lesson uh, from his uh, uh, treatise on how we got the Bible. And so he mentions here St. Jerome. It was commissioned by the Bishop of Rome to translate the scriptures, and his translations became the unofficial standard text of the Bible throughout the Middle Ages. Very important translation. It was done in Latin. At the Council of Trent, remember we were referring to the different councils that came up, the Council of Trent, and this take, took place uh, in the year 1546 through 63, the Roman Catholic officially made it the standard text. The Roman Catholics. Uh, its quality is best in the Old Testament, of course, excluding the Apocrypha, which Jerome, by the way, did not like. <laughs> Jerome uh, was making it very clear that he didn't like uh, the Apocrypha. We talked about the Apocrypha, and we know that the Apocrypha is indeed the additional scriptures that were put forth and and put uh put forth by the catholics in response to the protestant reformation where they made those the official parts of the bible we call it the catholic bible today um uh and and you can you'll see bibles out there that have the bible with the apocrypha also included just to let you know exactly what the is being represented there as long as everybody understands here on this particular call that the apocrypha are more historical documents than they are documents that are spoken by God, then you're good, in a good place. You have to understand that. We, are, we, we want to recognize that they are not the original inspired words of God. They are not referred to by Jesus or any of the apostles in anything that they're quoting or speaking of. 
They make reference to, uh, I know there's one reference made to a historical part, part in Maccabees, but other than that, it's not has nothing to do with God's inspired word, the Apocrypha. So let's be clear about that. And I think that's what causes some confusion for some people who want to try to find reasons to dismiss the word. As long as we all come on down in the same place that the original 66 books of the Bible, the Bible that you have, uh, that is the inspired word of God, then that you're going to be in good place. And you should always pay attention to that. And I, I'm going to mention this one more time and not dwell on it any more than necessary. Understand something. A person who wants to deny what Scripture says or the importance of Scripture is a person who wants to deny Christ. Uh, ultimately, they don't want to be obedient to the word. They don't want to follow Christ. They'd much rather live life in the way that they see fit. They don't see the importance of paying attention to his word because they'd much, much rather deny live, living and want to being, being associated with him. So recognize there's always a motivation sometimes for some a person who wants to deny Christ. But understand something. It goes even deeper than that when we know that people go out of their way to persecute Christians. Those people are acting as agents of Satan. We have to understand that too. Now, let's get to the meat of this and, and move forward here because we don't want to lose any more time. Um, let's get to the English translations because we've talked about all of these other translations now, uh, Aramaic and all that, now getting up to Latin. Let's talk about the English translations. Between A.D. 450 and 1100, several partial translations were made into English. John Wycliffe, remember the name John Wycliffe, W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E. Very important person in our history when it comes to the English translations. He is called the Morning Star of the Reformation because he opposed the papacy, notably the Catholic papacy at the time, and his commitment to the authority of Scripture. He began the first complete translation of the Scriptures into English. The New Testament was published in 1380 and the Old Testament in 1388. Now, you notice how the Old Testament always takes longer because it does. It, the New Testament is the, the, where the focus is, has to be when it comes to what is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And then the Old Testament uh, takes some time. I, just about every translation that I can remember, it usually they start with the New Testament and work their way back through the Old Testament. But that's okay. It, 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 that's just part of the process. And, of course, John Wycliffe passed away in 1384, so the Old Testament part uh, was completed by others after his death. That's where we get the, the year 1388. So John Wycliffe, a very important person in the history. I, I know I've seen versions of the Wycliffe Bible out there that you can try to get a hold of if you want to see what is really in that. Now, you have to understand something. That was back in thir the 1300s, and the English back then was a lot different than the English today. Uh, but it might be a cool thing to have if you can get your hands on that just for the purposes of uh, seeing what he was writing. Let's get to William Tyndale. William Tyndale was a, uh, 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 lived from 1492 to 1536. And look at the time frame we're looking at here, right? Uh, 1492 to 1536. 1492 is the year uh, supposedly Columbus discovered America. Uh, and so we're talking about that time frame. He produced, William Tyndale produced the first printed portions of the English Bible. The first printed portions of the English Bible. Now, why are we saying that? We'll get to that in a second. Um, you, you've heard the name Tyndale because we have Tyndale publishers right now, right? Uh, that, the, that's the name that they're using. Miles Coverdale, from 1488 to 1569, produced the first complete printed English Bible. How did they do that? They used the printing press. The printing press invented in 1450 by Johannes Gutenberg. Gutenberg, G-U-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. So, how important was that printing press? I don't want to emphasize uh, too little <laughs> how important it was. But that put the Bible in the hands of the common man. Having a printing press available, it put the Bible, as we see it and know it today, in the hands of the common man. Remember, the Bible was something that was largely just kept um, under wraps uh, by the, the priests of the time back in the day before the printing press was available. 
and a lot of the truth that was being proclaimed, we had to take the words of the individuals who were proclaiming it. It was indeed truth. But you have to understand what happened in Catholicism. A lot of those uh, different things evolved where uh, a lot of the truth that was being spoken was more about works rather than faith. And that's what really riled up the Reformation people, um, that that was just not the case. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. And so this printing of the Bible and putting that truth out there for the common person to be exposed to was a wonderful, wonderful thing to happen for all of us. Amen? That's what, that's what it comes down to. In other words, if you're being told something or being spoken about something, you can now take it and compare it. You are the Berean in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, about seeing that what you're being told is true. That's exactly, and that's, that's an authentic scripture. It's right there in the book of Acts. That's what you have to understand. Well, they wanted to see what was being spoken of that was true. They had to go back and compare notes and see the truth. So the printing press in 1450, Johannes Gutenberg, and that Bible was printed out. Miles Coverdale produced the first complete printed English Bible. Amen and amen. Very important for us to see that. Now, we haven't gotten to King James I. This is where now we can talk about the King James Version of the Bible. King James I of England appointed 54 biblical scholars to produce a new translation of the Bible in 1604. A new one. Now, understand something. This is... Why would he do that? What do you think? Do you think that King James... Uh, for whatever reason, was given inspiration. I don't know what his faith was or belief was. I'm going to trust that he uh, believed in God and know, knew that there was a re reason for him to appoint biblical scholars to produce a new translation of the Bible, and this was in 1604. So six groups worked separately and then met together to critique each other's work, which is also important for us to see, too. It wasn't just one person doing this amen it was a multiple groups of people getting together and looking at what other people put together so in 1611 the work was complete giving the english-speaking world the standard bible used for over three centuries and we can probably make the argument four centuries now because we have the king james version of the bible out there today it is still available you can go and buy a king james bible bible at the bookstore if you want to look at that version now, there have been uh, corrections and issues with the King James Bible. We understand that because of the language and the, and the different ways that we don't speak the same language that they speak at that time. And, and even back then, depending upon how they interpreted things, when it came to the Council of Trent, the, 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 the Nicene Creed, all of those things, we have to look at what was the original understanding of Scripture. And, know, and we know that there are some areas where we have some questions, of course, but... Let's not get lost on that. Let's get let's get it true that and, and look at it as truth that these the spoken message of scripture about Jesus Christ being the way to the truth and the life is indeed the most important message of all. And we can't make we can't um, uh, strain on a gnat and swallow a camel over this thing. Amen. <laughs> we have to look at it from the standpoint of recognizing that. Um, the original concept of Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior is what has been proclaimed all throughout history, all throughout these different translations that we're looking at, and so we want to make sure that we see that. Now, there is also a chart. I, I put a chart online in our Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline. You can look at it afterward. It shows the different uh, revisions of the King James Version because they're out there. There's different revisions of it that are, and I, I, I can show it here briefly here, but it's, it's going to be in reverse. It's not going to uh, convey very well. But it's on the timeline in the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook pages. It starts with how the King James Version uh, had the diff additional different versions that came from it. Like the New King James Version, for example, uh, was, uh, came about in 1979 and also in 1983. And it was up dated with English as spoken today. But if you look at the New King James Version, the familiar word order was retained. It just took the original language and just modernized it. So that's why it's called the New King James Version. And there's the English Standard Version in 2001, which we use a lot. Uh, we use it, I use it personally. Um, it is intentionally related to the King James Version tradition, which 
Um, I think if you look at a Bible translation, you need to know what the intent of that translation is as well, too. So that's how that Bible has been evolved. And, of course, there was a revised version of the King James Version, where there's another path that's taken here. It evolved to the American Standard Version in 1901. Uh, That version uh, was revised, called the Revised Standard Version, in 1946 and 1952. It's the most popular uh, mainline Protestant denomination uh, Bible. It's got some controversial renderings, and there is some liberal scholarship in that version, so I don't use that version. There's the New American Standard Bible. It's a good Bible from 1960, 1963. Uh, It was revised in 1995, the New American Standard Bible. Excellent conservative scholarship. It's quite literal. It's a very, very good study Bible if you have a New American Standard Bible. And, of course, the... One of the most popular ones in in present circles is the New International Version, which is a version from the American Standard Version. Excellent conservative scholarship, very readable English, very popular, 1973-1978. Very recent history. And even there's even a newer version of the New International Version in 2011, if I'm not mistaken as well, too, uh, where they tried to put together a more modern version that uh, included male and female as far as genders being mentioned there too. Kind of iffy about that personally. I, no, I don't want to criticize it again, but I think it's still a very popular version. And in 2005, the New English translation. You, you'll find that more at netbible.org. I don't. You won't find a lot of those translations in bookstores. Um, it's got. It's internet based, so you would have to download it if you want it. But it has a great note system, and it goes well back to the original King James Version as far as understanding. So these are all the different versions, and you'll see that on the timeline on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. Uh, It's a graphic. It's something I really can't show here because it would be uh, too difficult to read. It's hard to read as it is (laughs) on its own. So we have to recognize that as well, too. Now... Um, before we get out of here, I want you to understand something about these different translations. Now, where does it leave us today when it comes to Bible translations? Because we're still always finding ways to improve the existing, existing translations. We've mentioned in the past the Christian Standard Bible, which was an improvement upon the Holman Christian Standard Bible um, that took some of the Yahwehs out and put them back with Lord and God. Uh, and, and, and did something to help make that translation perhaps more readable, better flow. Uh, I know what the intent was behind using the, the term Yahweh for God uh, because they wanted to use God in a proper name format. And I think that uh, after looking at that and, and reviewing that, they decided to modernize that a little bit more and take that part out, um, but still refer back to Lord, the Lord for who he is. So the Bible is still being translated constantly around the world. I, I don't know if you are aware of that or not, but Wycliffe Bible Translators is a mission agency devoted specifically to that task. Wycliffe Bible Translators. That's what they do. New Tribe's mission is also involved in doing much pioneer Bible translation work. A 2003 study by Wycliffe counted Now get this, the number of languages in the world, 6,809 existing languages in the world today. 6,809 different languages. And if you want to refer back to statistics, you can go to Wycliffe.org and take a look at that. And what you're going to find is When we say that the Lord is returning soon, you're going to find that there's a lot more to be done to make sure that the language of the Bible is in more and more different languages, translated different languages in the world. Okay, so of those 6,809 languages, 405 of them have complete or adequate Bibles. 405 of the 6,800. 1,034 of them have a complete or adequate New Testament. New Testament only. 883 of this group have only partial portions translated. 
over 1,500 have translation projects in process by various organizations, and over 3,000 may need a translation. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done, and maybe this is a focus of prayer. We, we, we know the Lord is returning soon, but we also know by looking at this uh, particular subject that there are many more people who speak languages where there's no Bible that they can read or understand. Over 3,000 of these different languages throughout the world. And 1,500 of them have, uh, fortunately, they have some Bible coming, but it's not in their hands yet. So we see that based upon those numbers, over 4,500 of these languages still need a translation of the Bible for understanding about who the Lord is. Now, we have all kinds of technology today that may take the edge off of that. We have Google Translate. We have different ways to understand different languages. But we need to understand something. It's one thing to just go through Google Translate or whatever it is. and It's another thing to read it on the paper. Amen? To see what it says either, either on the Bible or an electronic device. Those languages still need to be translated so that people can understand who Jesus Christ is. Perhaps this is a matter of prayer for all of us. We know that Jesus is coming soon, but soon is a relative term. He wants to make sure that people have an opportunity to understand the truth. We've got people uh, in over 4,500 languages that don't have a Bible in their hand. Uh, then we need to understand that that's still some work that needs to be done to get that accomplished. Thankfully, the New Tribes Mission, the Wycliffe Bible Translators, they are doing the work right now that needs to be done because they want to see these people come to know Jesus Christ personally as Lord and Savior. Now, the Holy Spirit can do anything, amen? The Holy Spirit can convey truth in, in many different ways, but we don't want to make any assumptions. We want to make sure that they have that truth in hand. I think that's a matter of prayer. It's a matter of focus for all of us to recognize. God is doing amazing and wonderful things, and the translation that we have today, the translations that we have today, the New Living Translation, the, the Christian Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, um, the New Living Translation, the New King James Version, these versions have been revised and looked at to make sure that they are as accurate as possible we have this ongoing approach that we're making sure that we have the word as it's supposed to be proclaimed by Jesus Christ. We probably have available, available to us today the best possible translations that we have that convey God's truth. Amen and amen. That's because people are paying attention to this and they go back and look over it. They go back and study it. And why are they doing that? Because the Spirit is inspiring them to do so. The Spirit is calling on them to make sure that these Bible translations are accurate. We want to make sure that we're giving as few reasons as possible for people to say, well, that scripture isn't true. And understand that they are saying it's not true because they don't want to follow it. So we want to always be prayerful that these Bible translators continue to get Bibles in the hands of those who do not have English language. It's a native language of theirs. They're speaking a certain way. You can speculate where these people are. They're in Africa. They're in Asia. They're somewhere in, in those weird worlds where they just speak a different language. And different cultures, there's different dialects of language. Understand that in Puerto Rico, there's like 20-some-odd, over 20 different dialects of speaking. Okay. In missions, an unreached people group is a, uh, generally defined as a group that, without a church that is making new disciples. There's outside help needed. Today, there are more than 7 billion people on earth who are spread over 16,600 people groups, of which 6,700 groups are unreached. That is where that is coming from, the 6,800 languages. They're unreached. Um, that's 3 billion unreached people, or 40% of the world's population. Now, i, I got to tell you something. That's a very, very striking thing. We have to go and try to reach these people. And the 50 largest unreached people groups are involved uh, groups that include one and a half billion people. Um, and I'm pulling this from, this must be from what? Is this, oh, Pioneers, pioneerseurope.org. Okay, that's where it's being pulled from. Um, one in five people on earth live in these 50 unreached peoples. Each group is larger than 10 million people. None of these groups have their own indigenous church powerful enough to evangelize within their own group. 
Of these 50 people groups, there are 23 Islamic, 18 Hindu, 6 Buddhist, 2 animistic, and 1 atheistic. And it goes on and on and on that we have a lot of work that still needs to be done to reach those who are unreached. The Christian and Missionary Alliance, um, I guess you know, you'd love to see them do even more than what they're doing right now, but they're reaching people right now that need to hear about Jesus Christ. Um, it is a worldwide mission to do that, but there are so many that don't know about Jesus because they just don't have the exposure. They don't. We have not gotten to them yet. And I pray that if the Lord compels you to get involved with helping those people involved with the Bible translations and and finding ways to support them in their efforts, that you consider doing so. I think it's a great cause to do that. So let's close out. We want to make sure that we understand that there's a lot of people out there that need help, that need to hear the truth about Jesus Christ. May we, rather than being crit- critical about maybe how the Bibles can be better in, in many ways, we need to understand that the real truth is out there. Jesus Christ is putting it out there for us to proclaim the truth to the, of the gospel to others. We need to make sure that we are fulfilling our purpose of going into all the world and preaching the gospel and supporting others who also have that same mission as well. Amen? So that's how we want to look at this when we look at these different translations. May we see the importance of this in prayer and asking the Lord where you can contribute and where you can help out in something like this. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for your truth. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for showing us how many people out there truly still need to hear your word and hear the truth. We pray, Lord, that even in our own country, we have people right now who do not want to hear your truth. And, Lord, there is a place right here, even in Akron, where people don't know your truth. Lord, we pray for those individuals right now that they hear your truth. We pray that they are not distracted by those things that take the focus off of you, but rather that they pay attention to the 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 yearnings, the leanings of the Spirit, and that they do recognize the importance of your word. Bless us and keep us, Lord, this time now and in the future. Help us to be the Bereans that you call us to be. Help us to always go back and seek, uh, seek your truth through your word. Help us, Lord, to proclaim the gospel to others so that we can be prepared to speak when we are called upon. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today for another live stream Sunday School. We appreciate you being here. Stay tuned on the timeline for Pastor Gus's message uh, about the two witnesses of God. And we hope to see you next week as we get into another lesson in biblical inerrancy. Praise the Lord for his truth. And we just thank you for being here today. And we will see you next time. <laughs>